Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. And you're listening to OCR Talk. Thanks for joining us for episode three, three and possibly four, because uh, we have so much that we're going to talk about. Big giant list of things that have been happening over the past, what, week and a half, two weeks? I don't forget. Did we record something towards, uh, we had the Tough Motor weekend last weekend, and we had something, I guess it was like the beginning of that week. I haven't done anything. So So it's, uh, you know, a lot's happened since then, and obviously we want to cover all the stuff in the tough motor race but then we've also got just everything else that's been happening so yeah and lots how's it of going more upcoming races oh so, you know thursday afternoon i'm ready for the weekend <laughs> yeah so this weekend i know i'm gonna do a terrain race what about you oh uh, let's see i've got training in baton rouge and then um a 5k that we're running on sunday for uh foundation just to raise money for one of the local charities What's the charity run? It's with Anna's Grace Foundation. So it's a local charity in Baton Rouge that they raise money to help um, the families that have suffered loss of like a child or infertility, things like that. Okay, cool. 5K? Yep, 5K. Well, it's a 5K and it's also a quarter marathon because they say one in four pregnancies end up in infertility or loss or whatever the case may be so for that it's a quarter marathon because the one in four okay that's pretty neat but last year we did it last year and they didn't have the 5k option so we're just doing the 5k this weekend before we get into talking about all the news you know everything that's been going on uh let's do another intro question just talking about ourselves a little bit just letting everybody know more about us the question I had this week was, do you have a favorite race company or event or obstacle? You don't have to list all three. Anything that stands out to you? My favorite obstacle was probably the Triumph obstacle, 
during the battle races in Baton Rouge last year. Um, it's similar to the Dragon's Back obstacle from the toughest races. Not similar. It's pretty much the same concept. Yeah. <laughs> well, explain that for people that don't know the Dragon's Back as well. It's several platforms, and you have to jump from each platform, jump across the gap to a bar, and the only thing beneath you is this slanted board that's attached to the other platform on the other side. The objective is to jump across the gap, grab the bar, and have your feet land on the board, and then crawl under or over the bar. And it's just basically and you say repeat. Board, it's just like a slanted wall. Right, right? yeah, a slanted wall is probably describing it better. But yeah, you just and it's just repeated, what was it, like three or four times. So the top of the platform, it's about probably maybe a good four or five foot gap, I would say. And whenever you look down, it looks deceptively further. <laughs> so it's literally like taking a leap of faith. <laughs> like you could definitely make it, but you're still high enough up to where you're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a that's a real fun. That was probably one of the funner obstacles that I've done. That's one of those mental obstacles where it's not crazy hard but it gets in your head because you are up high like that absolutely and i ran through that course four times and every single time i came to that obstacle i had just a moment's hesitation <laughs> even though i had done it all day long i still hesitated but yeah that's one of those m mental obstacles for sure the only other one was the spartan race in tahoe last year they had the twister monkey bar twister combo at towards the end of the race and that was fun it was really long and super grip intensive and a lot of people were ripping their hands on it but it was really fun just because it was i mean two simple obstacles that they kind of mashed together so i thought that was really cool because i haven't seen them do it at any other race that's cool the dragon's back style obstacle you can't feel too bad about it because like i said it is a mental thing even face standing in OCR World Championships in 2016, she actually DNF'd. She actually backed out of the race once she got to that obstacle because she was just afraid of hurting herself so bad. That's crazy. I could definitely see that. <laughs> There's definitely a, a risk of if you do hesitate and you're not really confident jumping out, you could hurt yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you fall down in there, you... <laughs> yeah, you're definitely you hurt hurting something. <laughs> It's funny, I, I came up with this question myself, but I have a really hard time answering it. Uh, favorite race, company, event, or obstacle? I mean, there's so many good ones, so many good moments. It's really hard for me to answer. Uh, I know some of those battle race obstacles where they mix things together were a lot of fun last year. Like, particularly the one where it was a rope swing over water to a net, and then you climb up and over the net. And then right after that, you did you back in the water, but you did a rope climb. And then right after the rope climb, you swam under two walls, like two dunk walls. And then after that was a slanted slip wall with a rope. So it was like, even though it is separate obstacles, they're literally back to back. And it turns it all into one obstacle. And that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. That was that was a really fun, fun obstacle to do. That was the one I was looking forward to <laughs> every single lap. <laughs> Not because it was close to the end, but it was just fun to like swing around on a rope and get in the water. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Favorite race company. I, I might have to go with just saying like 
the OCR World Championship group. They're taking all these obstacles from different companies and putting them together in one race. And that's just a super cool thing, having to get to get to experience everything. That's what I really like about those races. I haven't personally gotten to do one myself, but that's what I really like about that because it's not every race that you get to experience different race, almost trademarked obstacles. So it's kind of good to experience like different obstacles from different brands and they all just kind of come together and create this big super course. (laughs) The podcast is doing really well. You know, for a brand new podcast, I, at least I think, we've got almost 200 listens over the past two episodes. So almost 100 per episode, which is pretty cool. And it seems like people are responding really well. We've got two more iTunes reviews. We'll read those in a second. And one of the things I thought was really cool is we have people listening from multiple countries, including like Estonia. Estonia. Which is somewhere in Europe. <laughs> I know it's out there. I'm going to have to look that up and cut this out if I'm wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to the one person in Estonia. (laughs) (laughs) But we got a review from Nathan Weiser, and he said, this is the best podcast about OCR that I have ever heard, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big statement right there. Pretty awesome. Very interesting and great insight by some, some awesome people. So thanks, Nathan. We really appreciate that. Yay. Thanks, Nathan. The other one is from Fuzzy B, and I don't know who that is, but Fuzzy B had a very interesting way to put it and it really uh, made me happy when they said for a podcast that doesn't purport to provide news i got more current information than from many who do build themselves that way excellent production value as well thanks for putting me on this one sid so they're saying sydney morris uh turned them on to it but how awesome is that you know i know we're here not trying to be media but we are given just the what's going on, and seems like we're doing a decent job of that, I guess. I think so. <laughs> and the production value, I, I'm striving to you know, make this sound good. So uh, I know I've got some bugs to work out, but I think for, for starting, I've got a decent start to it, and it sounds all right. Awesome. We've got so much Tough Mudder stuff to talk about that I think if we wait any longer, then we're going to have a two-hour episode. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get into it. First thing I want to say is the Tough Mudder repeat offender. I think there's probably a lot of people that haven't heard about this or they may have heard it and don't quite understand what it is. So I think it'd be good for us to just chat about it and explain it. I've seen that it's if you have two different non-competitive events over the course of two seasons, then you become a repeat offender. Do you know what non-competitive events in Tough Mudder means? From what I saw, it was basically their their challenge array of races if you do a tough mutter 5k a tough mutter half and a full then you get a two-time or a three-time repeat offender status yeah and those three races the 5k the half and the full those are the the challenge races they're not the competitive they're the challenge portion of tough mutter so there's no timing yeah there's no timing involved in a sense i it's like the spartan trifecta pretty much um, they just have a different name for it. Right. And it's pretty neat, I think, that it's a trifecta type thing for people that aren't going out to do World's Toughest Mudder or Toughest or, uh, you know, the the timed events. So they just want to go out and have a good time and complete a challenge. And that's what they're getting. for. Yeah. And, you know, for those people that don't want to do the crazy challenges like the Holy Grail, like the tough, tougher and toughest, 
yeah, I think it's a really good program for them to do, you know, that just want to want to go complete the races and go experience all that they have to offer. Yeah, and everybody's in a different place in their their obstacle racing career or their just life. So it's awesome that Tough Mudder is offering something for those people to say, hey, good job. You may not be out running with the elites and you may not be running for 24 hours, but you're still out doing something awesome. And here's to you. Yeah, and I think that gives people something to work for because, you know, they initially may go into it just doing the 5K and then they know they have the half. So that might be like another goal they set for themselves and then eventually completing the full length obstacle course. So I think that's really cool. Right. And it is, I think, important to note that it is two different non-competitive events. So if you do two halves or two 5Ks, then you don't count as a repeat offender. You have to do a 5K and a half or a half and a full. Right. And since they're just introducing the program this year, they're allowing people to take a qualifying event from last season and apply it to this season. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Sweet on them. Oh, sweet Tough Mudder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, how about the disqualification that happened in World's Toughest Mudder 2017? Did you hear about that? Yes, I did. I actually, and she's one of the people I follow on Instagram. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I remember hearing about it on Matt B. Davis's podcast a few months back. He didn't really go into it. He just kind of referred to it, but not much else was said. And I didn't really hear anything else after that. Then whenever I saw the news, I was I was kind of surprised. Like, how, how did they find out that that was happening? I want to say I heard that they took her, la- her chip times and there was a lot of missing parts where there should have been a, a time recorded and there wasn't i gotcha so i don't know if they just like piece things together you know i don't know their their final how they came to the conclusion they came to but i think that's a part of it i know some races do those those cheater timing pads on especially like on multi-lap races they'll put a timing mat that you have to cross at a certain time in your race but if you don't cross it or if you cross it too soon then that's how they can tell if you've cut the course or not. I know they did it at the Dallas Ultra Beast last year. So that's how I found out about that. <laughs> because I kept I kept hearing people yell at their friends, you got to cross the mat, dude. You got to cross the mat. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I don't know. I, I actually don't know this girl. I've never actually seen her. You said you follow her on Instagram. So what are your thoughts on it? I do. I know she was kind of laying low. She was one of those ones that was pretty prevalent on social media. So... I guess I didn't really notice. You get stuck in the scroll a lot of times and, you know, you start following a lot of people or whatever. Whenever I heard Matt B. Davis mention it, I had kind of started to notice that I wasn't seeing much of her posts or anything. So I kind of figured it was, you know, she was kind of maybe laying low. I'm curious what she'll do from from here. If she'll try to reclaim her name or, you know, she, she hasn't said anything like... Obviously, Ryan Woods claims that he had a mistake with his whole ordeal. Oh, yeah, the, the whole DHA. That's just up in the air. That that's, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I'm kind of 50-50 on He that was one. very upfront and said, hey, this was a mistake. I, li- I owned up to it. And that, to me, you know, my personal opinion on it is, is it gave him credits to say that he's not trying to pull one over on anybody. This girl, she either... Like, why be so quiet about it? It's it's hard to not look at it as a, she's doing it because she's guilty. 
Right. I, I can't say that's true, but that's just from an outside perspective. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, and I know, I know from her just from her social media, she was a Tough Mudder ambassador. One of the last posts I saw was that she is trying to kind of lay low and maybe try and get into different different things other than OCR. Maybe just cutting her losses. Right. And moving on. Exactly. Well, how about the Tough Mudder West getting rescheduled? That came. I guess not out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, Will Hicks was uh, predicting it, but when Tough Motor came out and said, yep, we're going to reschedule it, then it was like, oh, well, they, they were kind of saying no, and now they're saying yeah. Yeah, that was huge for them, because I know a lot of people were really bummed out that they missed that race. If I was Will Hicks, I'd be like, I kind of take credit for <laughs> pushing them in that direction. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe, maybe he put it in their in their heads because he really did do a good job of saying these are the dates it could be held these are the venues where it could be held if they did reschedule yeah. it and these are the reasons why it would or wouldn't work like he made very strong arguments for his thoroughness was pretty awesome yeah i very much recommend checking out his podcast <laughs> and from what i saw i believe the date is october 7th in northern california yes and it's also going to be the only toughest event that they're holding during the day. So how they're going to do that is it's basically the people who are running the toughest are going to be the first ones out on the course. They're going to start first and then... And running at the same time as everybody else. Right, right they're, and they're running at the same time as everybody else. They're going to have separate lanes on each obstacle so that there's no... There's no waiting on the obstacles for the people who are doing the toughest option. So there's probably still going to be a bottleneck, but... Well, anybody that's been on a Tough Mudder course during a day knows that in the later heats, the obstacles like Pyramid Scheme and Everest 2.0 gets really backed up. Like A lot of them. Uh, there's just so many people waiting in line at those things. Yeah, a lot of them do. And I can imagine Block Ness and Mud Mile. Those would be super slow to go through during later on in the day. So that's going to be interesting to see because we've run multi-lap races. Uh, I ran, I got to do one Battle Frog Extreme back in the day. We've done the Battle War Zone heats. I've even gone to some local races and done that for training and just, you know, run as long as they are allowing heats to go along. So it'll be very similar to that instead of being that overnight, as Will Hicks put it so well, it's going to be not a toughest, but a tough-ish. A tough-ish. <laughs> a tough-ish. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a whole. I mean, you don't get the course to yourselves. You don't, you know. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out because they're going to have to. That's going to be a very crowded course. Be very interesting to to hear what happens. Um, and that is, yeah, that's still we got a long ways away for that. Yeah, whereas it was scheduled as the first event of the year. And maybe that time gap is giving them plenty of time to figure it all out and make it a uh, smooth event. Yeah. Tough Mudder New Orleans was a bit of an experiment, and so I heard. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the big topic, isn't it? Uh, a lot of people had a lot to say about Tough Mudder New Orleans. Yeah, I heard I heard varying opinions about it. <laughs> so I, I was there. I have my own opinions about it. Let's hear what you've heard about it before I go into my first-hand accounts. Okay, so I heard... A lot of the obstacles were a little watered down. Like, they didn't have Funky Monkey Revolution out there. 
it was just monkey bars. Kong Infinity was a lot of fun. I heard a lot of people said that it looked deceptively hard. <laughs> it was it was pretty physically challenging, but it it looked harder than it actually was. One of the runners in the local run group I'm in, he kind of missed the the long gaps between the obstacles because he liked having those running breaks between obstacles. <laughs> but it was a lot shorter since they were doing the two laps of the half. So yeah, he actually missed the running part. That's an interesting takeaway that I've not heard from anybody else yet. And I honestly, I do, like, I've always felt like Tough Motor had longer periods of running in between obstacles. And it's just because of the distance of their race with the fewer amount of obstacles that they have. That's all really all it is. But I still felt like this one had a pretty good distances between the obstacles, even though obviously it was less because it was more obstacles over the course of the 10 miles, you know, 29 instead of, say, 20 or 22. Yeah, it's interesting to hear somebody say that. I also heard the race was really muddy. <laughs> Not because of the weather or the conditions or anything like that, but the some of the obstacles <laughs> just seemed like, you know, some muddy holes dug in the ground with a sign up next to it. <laughs> that was also one of the one of the things I heard about the race. So... I want to hear what it actually was like. I am still kind of <laughs> bummed I missed it. <laughs> but um, yeah, since it was the first OCR of the year, pretty much. Yeah, and and I know that's one of people's complaints is that it, the obstacles, it felt like there was more of them that were just holes dug in the mud. There were. There were several that was like six feet deep and trench warfare. Of course, Blockness not Monster has more to it, but it is a, a hole in the in the mud. There was one more pitfall so there were there definitely were several that were like that but i don't ever recall there not being those at other tough Mud. it just seems like that's just a kind of a normal thing several of their obstacles are those type of easy dig a hole obstacles but then you usually have something big like kong or king of swingers or those really large constructed obstacles and that's Kind of, I think, what makes Tough Mudder stand out. And it seemed as though people didn't care for, or they felt like that that element wasn't there. And I, I think people felt that way because Kong Infinity was there, or Kong, you know, Kong and Kong Infinity. But that one, unfortunately, the mat that was underneath it, that you fall on, was way higher than I've seen it at any other Kong that I've ever done, which I've only done it twice. Yeah, I can understand what people are saying. It did take away that sense of fear that you get when you're 15 feet up in the air, or 20 feet in the air, and the drop that you have is 15 feet. That makes a big difference. Yeah, so the mat was up closer, so the drop didn't look right. as far down. I see what you're saying. The drop was maybe three oh, foot. Oh, wow. Like it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> With that being said, Kong Infinity, it was a cool obstacle. I liked it a lot. I think it was probably the only one that I really kind of worried about but it did turn out to be pretty easy and I, I trust my upper body strength that it, it wouldn't give me any issues but I didn't know for sure and yeah it turned out to be simple enough but I mean some people struggle with funky monkey to revolution and I don't have any issues with it but I understand that it's not an easy obstacle so I think it, it definitely poses some not only upper body strength requirements but also technique you know, grabbing those rings as that 
and, and moving your body to keep that spindle moving forward is not an easy feat. You, you do have to have some coordination to do that. Yeah, I loved the Funky Monkey Revolution from last year. That was, it. I was worried about it whenever we came up to it, but I ended up getting through it. And yeah, it was technically difficult because you have the monkey bars and then you have a lot of transitions in there because it's not a long obstacle at all, but there are a lot of transitions that have to happen quickly and pretty smoothly in order for you to get through it. And what you said about being a little worried when you came up to it, but then getting through it and being basically proud of yourself, you know, that's that's what a lot of their obstacles are supposed to do. And you, you build this sense of, oh, wow, that's crazy looking. But then you, you do it or maybe you fail it the first time and you try again or the next race. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that was awesome. I can do that. and I've accomplished something. When you take away that element of fear, you take away that element of accomplishment as well. Yeah. And I did notice with Kong, you know, how you usually see a lot of photos taken from different angles. <laughs> now that you say that, that the mat was a lot higher up than usual, there wasn't very many pictures that were taken from the ground. Because you look at it from the ground and those rings are pretty high up and the mat is pretty far down and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get on that. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, once you get on it, you're fine. Just looking at it or just looking at it in the pictures, you're like, whoa. I don't know about that. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but yeah, you couldn't get those pictures from the ground because you had to <laughs> hold your camera up so high to reach over the, the mat. Reach over the mat that's protecting the, the racers. <laughs> yeah, I did notice a lot of the a lot of the pictures were taken from like the top down. <laughs> so personally, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It probably is mostly due to the fact that I, you know, had struggled in the first two months of this year to be able to run because of my whole blood issue. But now that I'm back getting in, in better shape, I was able to run the whole thing, the whole 12 miles that it turned out to be and accomplish all the obstacles and felt very proud of it. So I definitely see where people are coming from, but I didn't have that same experience. I had my own personal, I had a good time and I liked the race. I liked the two lap course because when you got around and you were coming up on the, the open waivers, it was an encouragement to keep running because you're wearing the bib and those other runners are looking at you. You know, you, you're the, you're the elite in their eyes. And even though I may, you may be the last person making it back to the finish with that bib on, you're still the purpose person representing the elite racers and the competitive racers. So it, it really made me feel like, man, I got to, I got to keep my pace going. It helped me do well. I, I I was very encouraged the entire time by seeing all those other people. You get to have a little bit more camaraderie than you did with just the competitive group. Because you still have a little bit of that within Tough Mudder. But you just got even more of it because you had the regular crowd there too. But that's what it's all about. You know, you run your own race. You run for your own reasons. And as long as you have a good experience and a good time, that's, I mean, that's really what it all comes down to. That's really what's most important. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. Right. And they always do. A couple of other cool moments for the race for me, towards the end of the, like the last four miles, I was kind of, kind of actually for the last second lap, I was with this one guy. I know he was running faster than me. He passed me up. And then towards the last two miles, he started walking. And it was funny because I said, just to encourage him, I said, come on, man, you're going to make me want to start walking. And then I just kept on running and he 
he picked up his pace and then stayed with me for a while. I think I ended up passing him on some obstacles and staying ahead of him. When we got to electroshock therapy, I <laughs> I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want to get shocked because <laughs> I've done that before and it's it's not much fun. So I found a spot that was just right where I could just slide under the whole thing. Even going over the hay bales, I was able to just barely keep my body as low as possible and get under all those wires without getting shocked. <laughs> That's what I did my first time through that. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I was up in the top 10, I wouldn't do that, but I was back in 30th or so. When I got up, when I got to the end of it, I literally stood up and said, I didn't get shocked. I love my life and just took off. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was really fun. And then when we got to the end, to the new happy ending, uh, jumped in the water. There was two guys behind me, one, uh, two guys I had passed in that last mile. And so I was trying to keep my pace to stay ahead of them. But when I got there, they had the ropes down, but it was just far enough that I couldn't jump up and reach it. And then the guy came up behind me. He was trying to do the same, and neither one of us could get a grip just enough to get to that rope. And so we tried. We both tried a couple of times, and I said, all right, man, let's help each other. So I grabbed his foot, helped him get on. Even though he was behind me, I helped him get on the rope first. And then he was once he was on the rope, he reached back and grabbed my hand and pulled me up. When I got on the rope, by the time I got there, one of the battle guys was actually behind me. And so I grabbed his hand and pulled him up on the rope, too. So you literally had three of us competitive people on the rope at the same time. I'm super hoping somebody got a picture of it because it was really cool. <laughs> and then we got to the top and the <laughs> the guy that was that got up there first, I guess he was worried about the shocks because on the backside of Happy Ending, they call it third rail where uh, for the Legionnaires where the slide has little wires hanging over it. So as you go down, you get popped by the wires. I actually said it out loud to him. This is for the win, man. Let's go. And so I just jumped down the slide. And it was weird because I heard a popping noise, but I never felt a shock. Hmm. So I don't know what that was from, but I heard other people say the same thing. Like nobody felt getting shocked right there. Interesting. Because you couldn't, you really couldn't do the, do the slide through and just kind of avoid the wires technique. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but nonetheless, I hopped out and uh, made it in there before those two guys. So I got, uh, you know, just a couple more placements out of that, out of that rushing through. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's pretty cool though, that y'all still helped each other out, even though y'all were all running the competitive heat. There were only about six different obstacles on the second lap, if you include happy ending. And if you listen to Mike Stefano on the Obstacle Running Adventures podcast, he did an episode where they actually went over all the obstacles that were there and talked about which ones were different. So I don't really want to go into all that. But what I did want to talk about is I saw when I was walking back out on the course to go help encourage Mark Duplessis get through his lap, I ran into Melissa Dugan on she was just about to go up on Kong. So I went and introduced myself to her and said, hey, how's it going? And she didn't look like she was in a rush, so I, <laughs> I didn't feel bad because she did have a bib on. She was in the tougher wave. So I introduced myself to her, took a couple of pictures of her while she was on Kong. And then after the race was over, I saw her and she she waved and said, hey. And she said, hey, you coming to the World Service Mother family dinner tonight? Because uh, a lot of times the, the community will get together for a dinner. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I didn't even know about it. So then I thought about it more, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like fun. So so I ended up going. It was really cool, really nice of her when I got there. As soon as I walked upstairs, which they asked me if I was with the party upstairs, and I didn't even know if I was with the party they were talking about. <laughs> so I just walked upstairs at this place, uh, downtown New Orleans. Just act like you know what you're doing. 
Exactly. I could have been walking into who knows what. Once I got up there, Melissa saw me and she introduced me to everybody and said, he's got a new podcast it's called OCR Talk and uh, really sweet of her to do that. Uh, I was very thankful. So it really made for a good evening where I got to sit down and chat with some of the people that ran and see how everybody else felt too. So obviously we're hearing a lot of stuff from different people, but I wanted to share about two particular people because I you know, heard from multiple, but these were two very opposing experiences and perspectives. So the girl that sat next to me, her name was Stacy. She said she was from Arkansas and it was her fourth event, like ever. She did like bodybuilding modeling and she had a group of that she works out with for that kind of stuff and they got into obstacle racing. So she goes and travels with them. So she liked it. Like she, in my mind, she didn't have enough in her back pocket to look at it from a cynical point of view (laughs) because i know what it's like whenever you get used to how good it can be right you get into doing a lot of races a lot of different experiences so yeah you're always looking for a more different experience or just Uh, yeah And, and not even just a different experience but just a level of expectation where you're thinking if it's not like this then it's not good as opposed to the first time you do it and you're like, this is amazing because I've never done this before. Yeah, I try to keep that in mind too whenever, you know, I have friends that do their first obstacle race or something like that. I try to keep my opinions to myself just because, you know, it's yeah. their first their first experience. You know, you don't want to <laughs> crap all over their experience. <laughs> Personally, I probably will never run a, a Warrior Dash maybe ever again because it just doesn't have enough for me but I do remember the first time that I ran it I remember the first time that I decided to do two laps and run it as hard as I can and it it that's okay there's no you know the everybody has their place to start and everybody has their distances that they enjoy and their level of difficulty that they enjoy yeah I I feel the same way about warrior dash I've you know got a couple other medals but uh, you know it it's a good race to take your friends to that are just kind of getting into it and you want you want them to get hooked so you can have more crazy people to do all the crazy stuff with (laughs) so that takes me to the guy that sat across from me his name was fred he was from boston i'd like to make a witty remark about how it was hard to tell where he was from but it was very easy to tell he was from (laughs) from boston (laughs) from his accent but anyways fred he had the opposite perspective he didn't care for it for a lot of the reasons that we've already said but he also had a 25 times headband around his wrist Mm. so like i said that kind of goes to show he's got an expectation that's been built from i mean there's a reason why he's done 25 events because he loves it so when it doesn't live up to that expectation then you kind of get the reaction that he i can see that but you got to kind of wonder i mean you do it 25 times surely not Every single time is going to be a stellar experience. Yeah, his level ex- of expectation was probably pretty high or pretty on par with the rest of the events that he had. It's just a problem the seasoned runners <laughs> start to have. Right, and and I think I, I think I'm not putting down on his perspective. Uh, he did say, "I'll still go again." You know, I'll still go next year. Like I'm still I'm still going to keep doing it. You know, <laughs> like he loves Tough Mudder for a reason. He would have liked the, the race to be better, but it didn't make him say, Tough Mudder's turn to crap. I'm never doing this again. Yeah, so it wasn't all bad. <laughs> and he's one of those Tough Mudder um, 
legionnaires. He's a big time legionnaire and yeah. hardcore, possibly an ambassador. Who knows uh, how deep he's gotten himself into it with 25 times. Oh, for sure. Before Tough Mudder came out with the competitive waves, that's kind of how I felt. Like, I had only done a couple, maybe three, and I was already kind of over it. Just because that's where my interest was taking me. It was more competitive, harder, longer. Tough Mudder just didn't quite have what I was looking for. So now when that now that they've come out with the competitive stuff, that's really brought me back to Tough Mudder. And of course, World's Toughest Mudder is its own thing, and that is amazing in itself. But I didn't do Dallas Tough Mudder last year, and I didn't really mind that I missed it. Yeah, I, I saw the Dallas event for last year, and I considered it because, you know, I still have family up there. But, you know, I really wanted to do New Orleans again this year. I really enjoyed the course last year. If I was able to have run this past race, I probably would have signed up to do the tougher because I'm like you, I like the competitive side. But then, you know, I also like the camaraderie that Tough Mudder is kind of known for, which I think is why a lot of people keep going back to Tough Mudders because it's a kind of, it's almost like a team building exercise <laughs> for people to do and kind of a bonding moment for them. But I do like that they started doing the competitive I probably would have done the competitive myself. I think I'm signed up for the, I guess, do they have the competitive? Yeah. Well, Toughest is competitive in its own right. Yeah. It's all timed and everything. Right. So, yeah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> looking forward to that 24-hour race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the kind of the takeaway, I know that Tough Mudder, you know, it really seems apparent that they have a lot to consider about how they conduct their events, even if they, you know, are they going to start making them easier or are they trying to cut corners so they can make more money or save money? I'm sure there's lots of discussions and lots of things to decide on their end. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are kind of wondering if, you know, they they came out with their new their new length of courses, their new challenges like TMX and the 5K and, you know, all those different things. You got to kind of wonder if people are thinking, well, did they kind of like put out too many events instead of just kind of focusing what they were already good at? That's definitely a concern, but hopefully, you know, they're big enough at this point that they they are being able to handle it without suffering from quality. Yeah, I think a lot of it was just, you know, this is one of their earlier events of the year. So I think a lot of times what happens with these races is the earlier events, it's kind of testing the waters, seeing how well, let's see if we can do it this way and make it more efficient or whatever their objective is and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then, you know, they change it up. That's true. Last year at the Tough Mudder New Orleans, they didn't even have the bibs. Instead, they had a little wristband with the timing chip in it instead of in the bib. I like the bibs a lot better. You run the less risk of losing a timing chip. <laughs> yeah. And they're just cool looking too. Right. <laughs> I believe we said this at the beginning. We have so much stuff to cover because of this race that just happened and just Tough Mudder in general getting their own episode. Sorry, Will Hicks. We have t plenty of other stuff to talk about as well. And we're going to get to that. And we're actually going to talk about it right now. But everybody listening is not going to get to hear it until later because I'm going to cut this into two episodes because <laughs> we've already talked long enough about Tough Mudder. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cut it here in just a moment and then we'll bring it back and probably post that that fourth episode 
uh, sometime next week. But before we do end this one, I did want to mention that I got a pair of the new Merrill All Out Crushes, the second version that they have that just released this year. I picked them up at the race. And I'm glad I waited and tried them on there because they said that they were running big. And sure enough, I tried, I usually get an eight and a half, and I tried an eight, and they fit perfect. Interesting. Yeah, they're just, just hugging my toes just the way I, I like them. Now, some people like a little more room, so you still want to watch out for that. But man, these shoes are freaking light. Yeah, I had I had a pair of Merrells that I used for road running a while back. It was their Pace Gloves. Because I like the more, I like a very minimalist shoe for running. I had somebody ask me about, about the Merrells and I just, I hadn't had enough experience with them. I knew those pace gloves. I wore them to the ground <laughs> before mm. I got a new <laughs> pair of shoes because they were just my favorite pair to run in at the time. The all out crushes from last year, they were a pretty good minimalist shoe, but I think they went just above and beyond with this one. Like they're even lighter than last year. Uh, they feel like there's less material, but it does feel still just as sturdy. Does it look like they would probably drain well? Did you take them out on the course at all or anything like that? I have taken them out on a run, and they felt fantastic. And and the thing about these shoes, the Tough Mudder branded ones, they have a really cool lacing system where it's like it's like a snowboarding boot, where you have a, a little dial that you push in, and it locks it, and then you crank the dial and that cranks the laces into the dial. And then when you want to loosen it up, you literally pop the dial out, and then it just, everything loosens up. That's interesting. Like, it's super easy to put on, and it holds super well. So I did run in on them a couple times this week, and when I cranked it down and got it comfortable, never had to touch them again for the rest of the run. That's pretty good. I love not being, ha- you know, having to worry about laces, because that is the last thing on my mind. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited for this weekend to run terrain race in them and and put some water on them. Definitely. You'll have to do a follow-up and see how they do in a race. All right. Well, let's cut it here. We'll say goodbye to everybody. Bye. And we'll talk to everybody again uh, next week after, well, we won't have reports on our races this weekend. (laughs) Right. That'll have to wait till later. But it's nothing super big, so that should be okay. Anyways, we're going to cut here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go. Uh, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash OCR Talk. Join us in for the conversation, and wherever you're listening to us, iTunes, Stitcher, whichever one of those, thanks. Leave a review if you want. Cool. If not, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Just follow and listen and talk. <laughs> Sweet. I like that. I'm going to put that on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs>